Hello and welcome back to season three of Mimazine On Air. I am Mimi Swaby, host and journalist, and this season is all about game changers. Each week I'll be interviewing a different individual who is pushing for and driving change in their field. This week I'm speaking to Sarah Giuseppe, business manager at Tala. Tala is an active and loungewear brand founded by Grace Beverly. They pride themselves on having sustainable style. Tala produce high performance pieces which are flattering, affordable and sustainable without compromise. Hi Sarah, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Thank you for joining me. No problem. For people who haven't heard about Tala, I'm not sure where they've been living, probably under a rock the past year or so. (laughs) Could you please tell us what the brand is and a bit about yourself and the role within Tala? Yeah, sure. So Tala was founded uh, in May 2019 by a lady called Grace Beverly, who is now sort of within the kind of, she's a bit of a fitness entrepreneur. She has a a couple of different businesses, but at the time she was um, a fitness influencer. So was very familiar with activewear brands that were in the market at that time. She kind of saw this gap in the market for a sustainable activewear brand's an activewear brand that really held sustainability and ethics at its core to kind of compete with those fast fashion brands, but that was made available at an accessible price point. So I think a lot of people would assume that um, sustainable products are very luxurious and come with a very high price tag, which quite often is the case. So it's not been something that a lot of people have been able to access previously. So Grace wanted to kind of test the water and see whether there was a demand for activewear that was also sustainable. So that's kind of where Tala started. And at the time, I was Grace's personal talent manager. So kind of worked with her on developing her career. I was very heavily involved in the creation of Tala, finding our um, partners, developing the the brand and our values so I feel like I've been there right from the very beginning which is it's been really exciting to watch it grow and we launched our first collection which was a kind of capsule activewear collection called Core and the response was amazing. Grace obviously has this very loyal following who were really excited by what she was doing. We saw this amazing response, sales were overwhelming on launch day we've kind of grown from there really so we've continued to um, kind of build on our activewear offering um, which is still kind of the the heart of the the business we've also expanded into loungewear products underwear accessories we have some kind of more streetwear styles so we've now kind of coined the phrase sustainable style which we think kind of sums up what we do really well and sort of still keep sustainability as sort of our main message and the kind of core part of of every collection really well I'm a big fan of Tala's products I have a lot of your gym wear especially you have been the first activewear brand to successfully combine sustainability and accessibility something I'd really love to talk to you about is how you differentiate yourself from other sustainable brands and or other more accessible brands as I say you have combined these two like you said quite different aspects of the fashion industry often which don't get to meet which is quite sad in itself mm-hmm. how do you combine slow fashion and sustainable style whilst also having a very successful business uh, it's a very kind of careful balancing act obviously 
creating sustainable products is a lot more expensive than creating products made of non-recyclable or non-recycled materials. This means that it involves a lot of planning because we we might see a kind of a, a style that we really like or a trend that we really like, but we have to find a sustainable alternative to that. So there's a lot of kind of research that goes into finding the materials that we want to work with, testing them, making sure that they perform in the way that we would want because we don't want sustainability to mean people are kind of compromising on performance for activewear. Mm-hmm. And then when we kind of start producing those products, we obviously bear in mind what it costs us to produce we have really high ethical standards as well so we always want to make sure that we're working with partners who treat their workers really well so that kind of comes with with a cost as well which isn't something we're willing to compromise on so that kind of all gets factored into what we pay for the initial product but then keeping that rrp as accessible as possible obviously then just results in lower margins for us so whereas the the bigger fast fashion brands in the industry can afford to pump a lot of money into marketing opportunities that's something that we were getting better at as we grow as a brand and as our audience grows but that's kind of where we've taken the hit I suppose just because we don't have as much money to play with because we're kind of we've we've closed that margin gap so much while obviously still trying to you know grow as a business so there's a compromise that we need to make there in order for it to be both sustainable and accessible. So yeah, and just to that... jump in there, how, I know from a business perspective, you are doing very well. And so how have you combated that? Are you using more influencers as Grace has had a very large social media following previously and continues to do have? Is that mm-hmm. one way you've tried to combat spending? So I think we were... The initial kind of 12 months of our business, a lot of that audience was obviously driven by Grace's existing following. So from kind of day one, we had this ready-made, engaged audience who were ready to see what Grace was doing next, were really interested in Tala, shared Grace's values in terms of sustainability, potentially sort of like veganism, cruelty-free, that sort of thing. So we, we had people who were really excited and ready to purchase, which obviously meant that from the get-go, we didn't need to pump a lot of money into marketing in order to get the, the brand off the ground. So the first 12 months, really, I would say, were very much, the whole brand was built on an organic following. It's only really been the last sort of like six months that we've started to kind of have some budgets to play with other marketing areas. So we do now work with a select number of influencers who we kind of think really match our brand values. We do do influencer gifting, which again, we've been able to pull on some of Grace's contacts for that. So that doesn't always cost us a a huge amount of money, but obviously we've put money into the product initially. So there are still costs associated there. But yeah, I think we were, we were lucky to be able to build the brand initially without having to use that money for kind of huge marketing campaigns. And now that we've sort of, we've got to know that audience, we understand what they want to see from us. We kind of love hearing their feedback because that kind of shapes what we do next as a brand. But in order for us to continue growing, we we now have to reach new audiences. So this is where we're starting to look at uh, more paid marketing opportunities. And we've started small. We've just started running ads on kind of Instagram and Facebook. And we're kind of just learning as we go, really, from, from doing that and kind of testing and seeing what works. So, yeah, it's. I think there'll be there'll be more to come from us in the future but so far most of it has been largely organic which has been great 
It's a really interesting business model because it is such, for want of a better term, a hybrid product. Like you said, it's all about combining sustainability and accessibility whilst not compromising performance. And I love it. You said previously you want to take on these big fast fashion brands. Why aren't other brands doing what you're doing? Because as we've seen, and as you've inferred, there is a demand for more accessible, sustainable wear. I mean, in its simplest form, it's easier and it's cheaper to produce non-sustainable products. And I think previously where there's been less of an emphasis on sustainability, brands have been able to do that and do that really well. I think a lot of it will, in order for the bigger brands to do it, will it'll kind of need to be driven by consumer change and consumer demand. So we use our platform, mainly kind of Instagram, but not just a sort of like a sales platform as, as a lot of brands I think would do, but to educate and share resources on the impact of fast fashion and why we want people to shop consciously and shop sustainably. And sometimes our messages feel like not what a brand should be doing because we're telling people actually don't purchase this. If you've already got something similar, then think before you buy, have a look in your wardrobe, wear something you've already got. But we we think that's that's really important. And we especially around kind of big retail opportunities like Black Friday, we share a lot of kind of hard-hitting stats and hard-hitting content about what happens when people are kind of impulse buying in, in these fast fashion sales. And we encourage people to vote with their money. So to say, if, if sustainability is something you're interested in and passionate about, and you know, for the, for the sake of the planet and future generations, then you need to make sure you know where your products are coming from and make conscious choices. And if enough people do that and demand that of the bigger brands, then it seems to me that they'll have no choice but to change in terms of how they produce, who they work with, how they package their products. And we've seen it in terms of, I know sort of like ASOS and H&M have um, sort of sustainable collections. So um, and I, I've, I've kind of heard behind the scenes that they are kind of doing a lot of work in terms of actually making that more integrated into the overall business rather than just sort of, you know, creating a collection. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we will start to see that kind of integrated throughout the industry. I think potentially COVID might help in that area as well, because people have seen delays to production timelines. They've kind of learned how to potentially kind of plan further in advance, which you also have to do to create a sustainable product because you can't turn things around as quickly. So I would hope that as kind of consumers ask more of these brands that will start to see sustainability kind of integrated into them as well. And I think it's been great to show that as a small business, we've been able to do it because it means that we now feel like we have more of a leg to stand on in terms of holding those brands accountable because they have more money than us. They have bigger teams than us. So if we can do it, we would hope that they would start to question why they're not doing it as well. I love that. Touching back on what you just said about you sometimes sharing things you probably wouldn't expect a brand who are selling clothes to share. I think the honesty in that is it probably puts a lot of trust in your consumers as they go, actually, I trust this brand. They actually have my best intentions and the planet's best intentions at heart, which I think is a big thing at the moment. And especially as we've seen during COVID, the fashion industry has been shaken to its core really and revealed in many aspects. Mm-hmm. So I think trust is a huge thing for consumers at the moment, which is a really, really powerful tool to harness. So I think that's a really interesting point you just spoke on. Yeah, I think for, for for sustainable brands, 
our audience really hold us accountable, which like we, we want to hold ourselves accountable too, but there's sort of, there's no room for error. Like we want to be really transparent about everything. You know, if we make a mistake in terms of um, some content we put out or a decision we make, then it's always, you know, we hold our hands up and, and apologize and learn from it. That transparency and building that trust is a really important part of our brand because we want people to know where their clothes are coming from and to have confidence in us that, buying from us is a better decision than buying a piece of fast fashion clothing. So that's something we work really hard on continuously to kind of make sure that anything we can share with our consumers about our suppliers, about the team producing the clothes, the team working on Tala day to day, such as myself, we want to kind of give that insight to our customers. Um, and if they ask for more information, then we'll always try and, and give that back to them. So yeah, I agree that trust is, is a really important aspect. Following on from that, one of your or your main hashtag is it's cool to be kind from a slow fashion and environmental perspective, but also a business perspective. Please, could you just tell us a bit about that hashtag, how it came about and what that means for Tala? So that hashtag, you'll find that kind of present on posts where we talk in particular about sustainability. So it's connected to a page on our website um, where we go into a um, huge amount of detail about the kind of overall sustainability and ethical values of Tala, but then also broken down into each of our factories, who we've chosen to work with, why we've chosen to work with them, any credentials that they hold. And then there's also a section relating to our fabrics. So again, the sort of like values of using those over using non-sustainable alternatives and the sort of it's cool to be kind. It has like an, a, a number of references, really, because it's obviously about being kind to the planet. And, you know, sustainability obviously goes hand in hand with that. But also a lot of the fabrics we use, we talk about being kind to the skin. So we actually, we use a very high percentage of bamboo within our, our both our loungewear and some of our kind of accessories because it's a very sustainable plant. Obviously, you know, all natural and it's really soft on the skin and has great qualities for that as well. So Th those kind of elements go hand in hand in this in when we talk about our fabrics but we actually also use our platform to talk about um, aspects relating to mental health so being kind to yourself being kind to others we have a Tala Talks blog page where there's lots of content on there all associated with kindness in various different aspects so it was a hashtag and a header that we wanted to associate with ourselves for various different reasons and sort of allows us to talk about each of those elements both kind of on our website and then um, within our social. One prediction for 2021 has been that companies are going to be on the front line going to be on the political front line for issues from climate justice to racial justice to being advocates for mental health and companies are going to be held more accountable in place of politicians to some degree Tala seems, from my perspective, to be kind of leading the way in this. And do you think this is only going to progress and also that other brands are going to join you on this? Yeah, I'd absolutely say so. But Grace Beverly, when she does her interviews and kind of takes part in press opportunities, she is very kind of vocal about um, the part that brands should be playing in this arena. 
and I think like you're absolutely right in terms of that level of trust people probably do look to their favorite brands over people like politicians just because we are kind of so much more relatable more accessible because you can instantly reach us by via social media so I kind of agree that brands should be playing a part in that conversation and should be a port of call for people to come to, 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 to hear the brand's standpoint, but then also to kind of give themselves a voice so they can align with what that brand is saying. I think it goes back to what I was saying before about what's demanded by the consumer of the brand. So if, if a brand's audience starts demanding that from them, there's only so long the brand can survive if they choose to ignore that message. So I think we'll definitely see more of that. I hope so. I really do. I think it's quite exciting when brands like yourself and other brands who have really strong values and ethics are creating change. One word I'd love to ask you about is disrupting. As on lots of your pages, you speak about disrupting the industry. What do you mean by this and where do you see it going? So that was a kind of, that was a word that we sort of threw around at the very beginning because we felt like we had this really strong USP, which was accessible, but sustainable. And we felt like we did have the values and the products and the platform to be disruptive in terms of come in, compete with those fast fashion brands and make customers question why they were buying fast fashion in the first place and almost take people away from that way of thinking and bring them over to Tala and to other sustainable brands. We are, we're kind of constantly shouting about other sustainable brands within our platforms because we want to support them as well. So that word disruptive is, it's something we've have had quite a lot of discussions about because that's our overall mission, I suppose, is to have people questioning their decisions um, when it comes to purchasing non-sustainable products and it's something we kind of constantly refer to when we think about our future collections as well so we obviously think about our products and our next line of products really carefully in terms of who we are as a brand and what our customer wants from us but we want to be there to provide that sustainable alternative so what other areas can we step into as Tala and look to kind of disrupt that area as well and we have a few thoughts. We had a we had a really, really exciting collection plan for this year, which unfortunately, with everything that happened with the pandemic, had to be put on hold and we're kind of in conversations now about how we best use that. But yeah, I think that word disruptive is something that we'll always come back to um, in terms of what we're doing. We use it when we talk, when we look at our marketing plans, when we look at the content we're creating on social. Again, even just sharing content such as you know, do you really need to buy this? That that in itself, I think, is quite a disruptive way to speak, speak to your consumer as a brand when you're not kind of encouraging and driving a sales message. So yeah, it's one of our main values, I suppose, that we'll sort of ask ourselves the question of how can we be disruptive? And is this disruptive when we're sort of in our, in our planning stages? One thing I wanted to ask you about was returns, because I know one of your aims is to create 100% recycled and upcycled sustainable styles that are accessible to everyone, but also recycling returns into new pieces. I mean, I read an awful stat recently that said that the majority of returns to fast fashion brands are actually incinerated or put in landfill as it's cheaper and quicker rather than repackaging and then reselling them. How are you combating this? Yeah, we saw that stuff as well, actually. Um, it's shocking, is- isn't it? 
quite frightening yeah so that's never something we've done or will ever do all of our returns that go back to our um, fulfillment partner are inspected checked anything that is sellable is put back on the shelf for another order and obviously I think for a lot of brands it's the cost associated with it they just think it's not worth us reprocessing that return but because obviously our products have cost more to produce in the first place and the impact that it would have on the environment if we were to throw that away that has just never been an option for us so yes all returns that are stockable go kind of back on the shelf to hopefully find a uh, find a new home any returns that come back to us that can't be resold, we currently have all of them in storage. Absolutely nothing has been sent to landfill. And we're working with our suppliers to develop this 360 program, which is all about having customers return items to us for the purpose of recycling. And obviously the hope is that that yarn will go back into a new Tala product. So it will be a complete 360 process. That's not in play just yet. But we're very hopeful it will happen in the next couple of years. And until that point, there won't be any returns that are incinerated or wasted. I love that making fashion completely circular. I just couldn't mm-hmm. believe when I, when I read that stat, I was like, wow, that really shows the little value those clothes actually have to those brands. Yeah. It, was just, it was really horrifying. Mm-hmm. One thing you speak about a lot is inclusivity rather than just being a brand or just selling products it's also about creating an inclusive community be that with models you use and the range of sizes you stock please could you just talk a bit about that and why inclusivity and representation is so important to you yeah so again like inclusivity and diversity was a value that we spoke about right at the very beginning before Tala existed it was something Grace was very passionate about something the team was very passionate about that we wanted people to be able to come to the site and come to our social channels and see a representation of themselves that they they could relate to and understand we've made sure that that level of diversity is also reflected within the Tala team yeah, it's, it's always been very important. So every shoot that we do will always be as inclusive as possible. Obviously, we talk about inclusivity and diversity and we never want to be tokenistic. Like we want it to be a value that is very apparent through everything we do. And also kind of bearing in mind that, you know, some aspects of diversity, it's not something you can necessarily see which is kind of why, you know, we talk about aspects associated with mental health and kind of try and be a support platform in that aspect as well. It's hugely, hugely important for us to represent different, different body shapes, different ethnicities, different abilities um, within the content that we, that we do. And I think we've done it really well. Like it's, it's something that we receive a lot of great feedback from, from our audience, which tells us that, you know, we're doing something right when we have people say, you know, I've never seen somebody like me on brands channels before so that's something that we're really proud to be associated with so yeah we'll continue to to always try and do that we get messages all the time from people who want to be models for Tala and obviously we'd love to reply to everybody but unfortunately it's just not possible with the small team we have but people who say like oh my god I, I never thought that I'd have a chance of modeling but I've seen somebody on your channels who looks like me and thought I'd reach out because I'd love to do that too so giving people that sense of empowerment and almost making them feel like they can reach out to us is a really great 
place to be for a brand, I think. That's amazing. And has that increased since COVID, since pandemic, as Black Lives Matter and just being more more compassionate in general seems become, hopefully, the new norm? Yeah. Um, I think from our side, we haven't really changed what we've been doing in response to Black Lives Matter because we we felt like we were already quite supportive of black businesses and representing people of all kind of different ethnicities within our channels already. We've done some kind of spotlight content um, in relation to Black Lives Matter. Like we've worked with a campaign called uh, Share the Mic, which is all about giving a a person who might not necessarily have um, a platform of their own, um, kind of giving them a voice, being able to take over our channels for the day, talk about something they're passionate about, talk about their business, talk about being a member of the black community. So we've responded in that way. But I think in terms of the the content and the models and the team that we have at Tala, I think we were already being very inclusive and, and diverse. So as much as, as other brands may have sort of been woken up by it and reacted to it in that way for us it's kind of always been very important and very prominent within our content from a consumer point of view do you think people are now a lot more conscious of diversity but also sustainability as well moving forward yeah i mean the the campaign that was driven by black lives matter in terms of everyone kind of looking for more resources to educate themselves then yeah i think there's there's definitely been more awareness which is obviously a very a great great thing we we did try and kind of participate in that um campaign again without being tokenistic because we do feel like it's something that we 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 talk about already so hopefully from a consumer perspective they can see that from our platforms and that again that will be quite attractive to them versus other brands who may were only woken up to the importance of it following black lives matter definitely and do you find it quite frustrating as a brand when you see lots of other maybe larger, more fast fashion brands, making pledges, making claims and promising things, but perhaps being quite tokenistic. Is that quite a hard thing to, to tackle and to, to take on? I did see some brands do it and then be called out by their own audience because consumers can tell when a brand's not being honest and is jumping on something because it's relevant and because it's a trend. So I did I did see that happen a few times. It's not frustrating from from my personal point of view, because I think if that's if that's a genuine kind of wake up call and a genuine step they want to take, then brilliant. That's something that should only really be supportive. But where brands were doing it and maybe it did feel disingenuine, then I could see their audience calling them out on that. In some instances, those posts then being either deleted or kind of an apology being written. So So that just shows the power of consumer power at the moment, which I think is definitely on the increase. Yeah, yeah. Like um, consumers feeling like they can question these big brands Mm, and accountable for what they're saying. There was definitely a reaction to certain brands doing that. Starting to wrap up, what do you think is next for Tala from a business kind of model strategy point of view? to grow and spread the message, all your messages from mental health to combining sustainability and accessibility? Lots of things. We've, we've just gone through a really exciting period of growth, which considering the pandemic is, we feel very, very fortunate to be able to say that. Obviously kind of like stocking active wear and loungewear during this, this time where everyone was working from home has been 
beneficial because that's all anybody's wanted to wear. Oh, I've um, lived in it. I've lived in yeah. it for about eight months and I don't see any, <laughs> any change happening anytime soon. No, same. And even for sort of like smart Zoom calls, you just put a nice top on and keep the leggings on underneath. Yeah, that's I don't what think I'm wearing great. now. <laughs> same. Um, yeah, we've taken on a lot of amazing team members who are kind of very skilled in particular areas where maybe before when we had a small team, we weren't able to execute as well. So I think there's quite exciting things to come from a business and strategy perspective in terms of just reevaluating where we are as a brand now that we're kind of, you know, a year and a half on making kind of updates to our website to improve user journey there, but also just getting ahead with our new collections. So as I mentioned before, like we do have something quite new and exciting, which hopefully we'll be able to launch in the next year or two, depending on what happens with the pandemic. But I think overall, from a business point of view, just now trying to attract new customers, spread our values and that message further, and then continue to disrupt in terms of what we're doing with sustainability. So as we talked about, just introducing that returns program whenever we can, Mm. um, working with new kind of sustainable materials and technologies. We've got, yeah, there's quite quite a lot going to be. Lots of exciting things. Yeah, lots of exciting things. One question I would love to ask you about before we go into a quick fire round, your plantable tags and packaging. This is something that fascinates me. What are your plantable tags? <laughs> um, so they are made from seeded paper um, and the seeds inside, they're seasonal. So we actually have no idea. Each tag can vary. So we have no idea kind of like which plant is within each tag. So each one is a, is a bit of a surprise. But the idea is obviously it's kind of to stop paper being being wasted and thrown away. It's attached by twine. So the twine is recyclable. Pop the tag itself into a small amount of soil and just water it like you would a normal plant. And we've had some really funny messages from customers who've grown all sorts of plants we've had sunflowers we've had basil oh my god so yeah we get we get people messaging us quite a lot on instagram and twitter kind of saying like oh my god this is what my plant turned into i like i didn't quite believe that this was going to happen until this grew that's one of my favorite kind of parts of the brand and our packaging because i just think it's quite quirking and quite cool to be able to just grow your own kind of taller plant we did talk about kind of getting an office with a garden and just when we do photo shoots just kind of collecting those tags and growing our own little taller garden which I'd love to do at some point that is such a good idea yeah it's just quite a um again just like a small little USP that we we have I think that is so fun as sad as it sounds I think I'd be as excited to find out what plant I had with my tag as I would be receiving the active wearable <laughs> products yeah okay Sarah how do you feel about doing a quick fire round oh yeah a bit scared but go on <laughs> <laughs> okay this is quick fire with Sarah active wear or formal wear or active wear all the way leggings or shorts leggings summer or winter summer cool gray or berry Oh, cool grey. Weights or running? Running. What is your favourite Tala product? Oh, it is the um, DM wide leg trousers, I think. They sound very comfy. They are very comfy. What are three sustainable essentials that you could not live without? Oh, that is a good one. Um, 
Oh man, am I allowed to list three Tyler products? It probably is genuinely my leaf, my leaf face cloth, definitely. Um, I was still, I'm ashamed to say, using makeup wipes before that. So I've switched to the face cloth and now obviously I don't need to throw anything away and it removes my makeup just with water, which is, I think, pretty amazing. Hmm. Um, what else? Oh, three. That is hard. Um, I always, always, always use a um, recycled carrier bag when I go to the shops. So either I reuse plastic bags or I'll take a tote bag or another bag with me because I absolutely hate buying more plastic bags. And I have, oh, we have a, my boyfriend used to drink a lot of sparkling water from plastic bottles and it drove me mad. So we bought a machine that makes still tap water sparkle so you don't have to buy the plastic bottles. Those can be my three. Good choices. And final question, what is one thing you want to see change in the fashion industry in 2021? I would like to see brands kind of taking on the concept of less is more. So maybe thinking more about the the volume of products they buy, the like quick turnaround of products they produce based on trends, kind of stock that's bought with the purpose of selling it at a discount for moments like Black Friday, and just kind of more considered choices on the brand side to start seeing kind of more sustainable kind of processes being put in place by them. I completely agree. And finally, what is one piece of advice for businesses who are trying to make themselves more accessible, but also more ethically conscious and sustainable? I understand that for big brands, it's obviously, it's not the easiest thing to overhaul your entire business model and all your processes and say, right, we're now going to be sustainable. So I think it's doing what you can. So if that is, you know, if an easy switch is making sure all your packaging is made of a higher percentage of recycled materials, then start there. So it would just be good to have brands having those conversations and making small changes while they kind of work on the bigger pieces for me. That is a great piece of advice to end on. Thank you so much for speaking to me, Sarah. It's been really, really interesting. No problem. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And I cannot wait to see what Plant My Tala label is going to turn into. (laughs) Yeah, let us know what you get. Oh, I'm going to tag it in everything. Don't you worry. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Thank Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. I've put where you can find Tyler in the show notes below. As always, please share, subscribe and review as it really does help spread the word the podcast. Tune in next week for the final episode of Mimazine on Air Season 3. Bye!